A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COB. I'm Juliette Sali. And I'm Andrew Gagan. And Juliet, look what happens when the two of us get together in an afternoon. Wow, what a great way to finish I the know, week. I know, the market rises for a fourth day. So <laughs> yeah. read into that what you will. Up by 1% on the SIBO 200 index. The ASX 200, I've just got to check, but I think it was getting very close to that 7,000 point level, of course, still matching off. But 69, 69 points. So crop it, crossing above its 20-day moving average. Very good session and a fourth win in a row. Yeah, and looking across, uh, well, in fact, uh, before we do that, uh, I guess, yeah, it, that followed, of course, what we saw on Wall Street. Well, global markets overnight. It's interesting, actually, we've spoken about this before uh, with some US market analysts, that it takes another session before they actually react to what mm. the Fed does. Mm. So you didn't see that immediately after that that Fed announcement. It was the following session yeah. and we saw that huge rally. And particularly in, in bonds as well. Uh, let's have a look at what we're seeing in terms of some of the themes. We talked about the fourth day in a row, but Qantas, my goodness, that uh, AGM, I think there was jeering at the chairman, the outgoing chairman, Richard Goiter. They voted overwhelmingly against that remuneration package and some pretty angry questions on ethics as well. Although there was a survivor because expectations that board member Todd Sampson was going to get mm, the, uh, the boot, the but um, no, he survived. So that was yeah. interesting. And uh, then, of course, we're looking ahead to the US jobs report tonight as well. That will be key in terms of what the Fed does next. If it's stronger than expected, do we see another hike just as markets are starting to think we're at the peak of that cycle? Yeah, of course. Well, you'd think equity markets, they're certainly making that vote that they feel as though we have seen the peak in those interest rates. Maybe not so quick here locally, but we'll get to that. We will. Of course, uh, RBA week next week. Let's have a look at some of the sectors, particularly those interest rate sensitive stocks. Uh, the REITs all looking good today. Stockland up by almost 2%. Charter Hall there up by about 4%. And then looking at some of the other sectors. Yeah. Um, well, there we go. The industrials obviously benefiting too as well today. And uh, what else have we got? We have the banks, of course. Uh, and just taking a look, look across the board there. Uh, look, doing very well. I guess if we were looking at the financial space, actually the uh, the insurers came off today. That was one weak spot. Mm, and energy stocks in focus too. Uh, we did see a little bit of a, an easing in the crude price. Uh, Santos down by 1.9%. Beach Energy there off by 1.6%. And let's just get you caught up on some of the individual companies. We talked about Qantas there. Uh, shares are rising. I was talking to Craig James from Comsec. He says, look, you know, it's just going to take time for a bit of shareholder trust to come back in because the AFA also had that report that internal documents were uh, leaked showing that, um, you know, Qantas is losing trust, according to the average Aussie, to, to Virgin. Um, Block also in focus, it was a big one today, up 25%. Wow, that was a huge move there from uh, Block. Uh, that's uh, the afterpay parent, of course. 
Uh, best performing stock, not surprising given that movement there, the company boosting projections for adjusted profits, uh, forecasting adjusted earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization uh, to be 1.6 billion uh, to 1.68 billion. So um, yeah, clearly benefiting it as a result of those. Yeah, and interesting Macquarie, I mean, they, it had its earnings, but I think why the stock is up 1.7% today is because of that $2 billion share buyback. Lendlease also in focus uh, on news that the company and Google will end their agreement to help develop the internet giants for major districts in San Francisco. And then TWE, of course, in focus too. Yeah, weighing down there, uh, stocks down more than 7.5%. Um, that's after it completed the institutional component of it entitlement offer uh, it announcing that it was buying 100% also of US Dow Vineyards, the premium wine brand there in California. All right. And the stock of the day today, Macquarie Group. And That's right. Yeah. In fact, we had, uh, what a good analysis of that. We had Adam Dawes from Shore Partners and Jumbei Lu from Trebek. Let's have a listen to what they had to say about Macquarie. I do think there is still a bit more earnings risk into the second half. Um, I think there's possibility for company to downgrade again for the full year earning because they need to make 70% mm. uh, in the second half. So to me, it's more of a neutral at this stage. Uh, it's just the earning needs to rebase this year. It's one of those, uh, what do you call a rebase year or transition right. year. But broadly, I think the stock is a fantastic business, really, really comfortable with it. Um, I'm a hold as well. I just want to see how things are starting to go. I'm always of the view anything under $180 is a buy. Mm. We're certainly in that territory at the moment. Yeah. So look, brave people absolutely start averaging in or, or picking up some more. The, the price action just today was a really good realisation of how strong this stock is. The stock fell on the open, but as I was leaving the desk, it was basically back to evens and in fact starting to go higher. So any kind of weakness, you, you'll see buying coming into this stock pretty quickly. Yeah. All right, that's so what Adam Dawes and Jim Lou had to say about Macquarie, of course, like it's a staple, isn't it, as mm. far as any portfolio is concerned, given just how large that company is yep. in Australia. The millionaire factory. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's get across what has been moving markets, look at the markets themselves, given particularly what we saw overnight and then locally here today. And we joined the CIB, Shane Oliver, AMP Chief Economist. Shane, terrific to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank all, you, my pleasure. All right, so um, how did you account for that that real uh, solid rally we saw both overnight, but also here locally? Look, I think you've got to allow that markets were coming off a very oversold position uh, earlier this week. There was nervousness going into the Fed. Uh, then, of course, we saw the Fed, um, I guess, uh, leave rates on hold. We saw the same from the Bank of England. Obviously, they've still got a high for longer message but one gets the impression that the fed is probably done here and i think the market is increasingly coming to that view that in turn has enabled bond yields to come off a little bit they don't want to go down too far because then the fed will have to reverse what it said about financial conditions tightening on the back of higher bond yields um, but nevertheless lower bond yields um, you know the fed being somewhat more relaxed about the outlook uh, then you've got very strong earnings growth. If you look at the earnings reporting season in the US, on my count anyway, it's the best in two years. Uh, number of companies surprising on the upside, almost 82%. That's well above the long-term norm of 76%. Haven't seen anything like that uh, unless you go back two years ago. Earnings growth uh, has now gone from negative to positive. 
Um, it's being revised up as we go through the uh, the reporting season. And then, of course, the other thing you have to bear in mind is that November is, depending on how far you go back in history, it's one of, if not the strongest month of the year in the US share market. Australia, positive seasonality kicks in a little bit later through December. But uh, nevertheless, that's a factor as well. So all of these things, you can see that on that chart there, shows the average gains on US and Australian shares going back to 1985. Um, and the blue bar for the US, November being the strongest after messy period through August, September, October. So uh, that's uh, a factor as well. And then finally, I guess in the Middle East, everyone's still got an eye on that one. Can't get away from the horrible story coming out of the Middle East. But so far, it hasn't expanded to include major oil producers. So when you put all those things together, the seasonality, the Fed, earnings and the Middle East so far not being as bad as Fed, all of those things explain this rebound that we're seeing. And of course, markets have come from oversold levels. Indeed. All right, let's look ahead to the RBA next week. I think I know your answer to this, but are we going to see a Melbourne Cup day move? Well, the RBA does have a track record of moving on Melbourne Cup Day, so it would be dangerous to bet against it. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to bet against it. Uh, we, we've seen the RBA itself come out saying no tolerance for a slower rate of decline in inflation. Then we got those higher inflation numbers. I think on an underlying basis, the difference uh, differences on inflation were material, despite what the Treasurer said. And uh, now, of course, uh, in the last week, we've got some stronger than expected retail sales, which a whole bunch of underlying, a whole bunch of factors uh, pushing that up. But can't get away from the fact that we've got much stronger population growth than any of us assumed it would be. And that's keeping uh, demand stronger than the Reserve Bank would have been assuming. And I was certainly assuming. And so put all those things together, it looks like we are going to see a hike. But I reckon it's going to be a close call um, th there is an argument if you look at retail sales volumes per capita, in other words, retail sales per person, you know, that's going backwards at a rapid rate of knots. Uh, that's the mustard coloured line in that chart there. Uh, biggest decline on record, uh, according to the ABS. So that's a factor you can't ignore. Obviously, lots of households struggling at present. And it is quite possible the Reserve Bank comes to a similar view to the Treasurer and says, well, it's not material after all. Um, and, of course, there are some uh, difficult negotiations going on between the government and the RBA regarding their objectives and, uh, and also po probably the uh, finalisation of some aspects of the RBA's review. So all of those things sort of put a bit, of a bit more uncertainty around it that would normally apply, but on balance, I think they probably will go again. Shane, how closely would the RBA be looking at what's going on in the property sector at the moment, of course? Uh, it has sort of defied most expectations, those prices continuing to rise. Um, this is also obviously as many households are doing it tough at the moment, as you pointed out, and that, that interest yeah. rate cliff as we've rolled over from fixed to variable, it's turned into more of a slope or a plateau, hasn't it really? So <laughs> um, how closely would the RBA be and would they be concerned about where those prices are going? I think they would be. Uh, I mean, it, it's fair to say that the rebound in property prices hasn't come on the same volume. If you look at the level of housing finance, uh, it's nowhere near, nowhere near the record highs it got to back in uh, 21, 22, uh, when property prices were last at record highs. So property prices have gone up 
There's no doubt about that. Um, and it reflects the lack of supply in the economy. You can see that chart there that um, building approvals have collapsed. That points to more weakness ahead in supply. Massive immigration numbers coming into Australia. Uh, that's helping push property prices up. But uh, I, th I think the RBA would be looking at this and thinking, well, okay, there's not as many, there's not as uh, much housing finance occurring, but by the same token, it is giving us a wealth boost um, that all those house households out there, 60, 70% of them own their own home outright or with a mortgage. They're seeing their wealth go back up again. History tells us that each 10% rise in home prices uh, adds about 1% to consumer spending or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, there is a wealth effect out there and that they would be worried that rebound in prices will help stimulate spending um, going forward. So that's the way they'd be looking at it. And you'd have to say that the strength in the property market is another factor they'd put on the side of the ledger, which says, yeah, raise rates again, mm. even though there's lots of things on the other side as well. But, yeah, property would be worrying them. Shane, uh, Anthony Albanese heading to China tomorrow. There is some data out of China next week as well. Your thoughts on, on the overall economic picture there and what the Prime Minister might be faced with as we look at to potentially winding back some of those tariffs? Well, the good news is that a lot of those uh, restrictions and tariffs have been removed. Obviously, barley, coal's gone back to normal and, and so on. Um, but I guess from an Australian aggregate point of view, as a, as a macroeconomist like myself looks at it, we'd say, well, you know, those restrictions were put in place, but we then got a bigger than ever trade surplus um, after that because of a whole bunch of other things going globally and we were able to reallocate some of the goods elsewhere. Um, uh, but obviously there's still some tariffs remaining. Wine, I think, is a key aspect there and, and wine producers have been doing it tough and they, they were harder... They, find, they found it harder to find other markets. Um, so hopefully there will still be some removal of those restrictions to come. But from a macro point of view, I don't think it's going to change much. The main focus will be on the chart, I think, uh, which you've now got up there on the screen, which shows uh, business conditions indicators or PMIs in China, as they're commonly called. And they're quite soft. So that uncertainty about the Chinese economy remains high. Uh, there's also uncertainty about the Chinese property market. We know the big issues there particularly with property developers. So those things sort of put a, a bit of a cloud, apart from the geopolitics, put a bit of a cloud over the Chinese economy at present, mm. and that creates a bit more uncertainty for Australia. And obviously that'll be something that uh, Albanese and Australians generally, when they go to China next week, will be looking at. But the other aspect is that the iron ore price seems to be just hanging in there. It's uh, Last I looked, it was uh, $125 US a tonne. That's way above budget assumptions, which is still down around $65 a tonne. Uh, so that that aspect of the relationship keeps on keeping on, and that's providing an ongoing boost to our national income and our trade situation. But obviously there's just a bit more uncertainty around that than there would normally be. All right, Shane, we normally end the Friday segment with your book club call, but I, I'm curious as to your music calls because you saw Paul McCartney. I did, and it was a fantastic conference. I saw lots of other people out there, by the way. It seemed I couldn't go too far without seeing someone I knew. But uh, it was a fantastic event, three hours, 60 songs, many of them Beatles songs, but also solo years and wings, uh, and many of the new songs. He, he made the point, as most performers have been around for a while, point out that everyone gets excited with the old songs and then not so excited with the new songs. But he said, well, we don't care, and they did the new songs anyway, which uh, which I reckon are just as good as the old songs. So I was really impressed 
uh, how he remains so upbeat, um, continues to uh, sprout lots of optimism. And uh, I actually, in my weekly, included a quote on that, which only just came across yesterday. Uh, so, and Paul McCartney remains one of my heroes. I first came across him uh, when I was a little kid listening to 2SM <laughs> when it was the um, top of the pop station in uh, Sydney and uh, listening to Live and Let Die and wondering, who is this guy? And then I discovered uh, who he was and Wings and the Beatles, of course. But uh, um, I've been buying every album from Paul McCartney ever since. And if I turn my camera a little bit to the right, uh, then you can see all my uh, Paul McCartney CDs. The LPs are sort of locked away. It's a bit hard well, to display them these days. He's not doing bad for an 81-year-old, isn't he? Hey, Shane, I do have to ask you, though, of course, uh, the Beatles releasing their first song in 50 years uh, today. Have you had a That's chance right. to have a listen? Okay, that's the funny thing is my I, I missed it because I wasn't in the car yesterday. <laughs> I've I've uh, missed it. I'll have to I'll have to check that. My wife uh, came along and said, "Yeah, that that out, that song's out there." So I will have a listen, and, and I'm inevitably going to include it in my uh, weekly note uh, when I get a chance to do that. So it's amazing the way Paul and Ringo. I mean, Ringo's out there touring as well. It's just amazing the way these two are, are going. And of course, uh, uh, the Rolling Stones. I think are back out, getting back out there. So it's amazing to see them putting in that effort um, and continuing to be enthusiastic about uh, about doing it and putting out more music. Uh, the Rolling Stones have just got a new album out. Yeah, great. And eighty one. I just had to Google to make sure you were right. Then I didn't. I thought it was sort of more like mid seventies. Right. Wow, hope, there is hope for all of us. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. Particularly, me, particularly how the Stones have lived. Heaven's sake. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Hey Shane, terrific, uh, Keith. Yeah. Terrific to get your view. Uh, we'll catch up with your music choice next week as well. Thanks for joining us today, Pete. Okay, all the best. My pleasure. Cheers. See ya. All right, let's have a look at the markets and the leaders and laggards because we are out of the session now and we've been mentioning Block, of course, that forecast boost helping its US shares and the uh, chest depository receipts here too, up by 25%, the top performer on the ASX 200, along with Amugen, Sierra Resources, Sciota Mining and Core Lithium. Yeah, well, I mean, it's um, yeah, certainly some of those... Um those mining stocks, particularly in the lithium and rare earth space, have bounced back. But uh, of course, you're bearing in mind they've been under extreme pressure of late too. Mm, so mm. Uh, that's coming off a All low right. base. Let's have a look at the laggards now too. And we've been discussing Treasury wine estate. I mean, this one, Andrew, is going to be very much in focus next week when Prime Minister goes to China. The hopes of these tariffs being rolled back today, it's under pressure because it completed that institutional share placement for the 100% offer for the US vineyard. But if you do see these tariffs roll back, I think there was some kind of forecast of a $400 million upside to its bottom line. Yeah, and we see elsewhere there are back into the resources space. Some of those goldies, particularly the, the sort of mid-cap space uh, coming off, they have run hard. And also some of those energy stocks under pressure as well today. And at the small end of town, just having a quick look at the leaders and laggards there as well. There we go. Strickland Metals having a bit of a moment, the, the technical aspect. 36% higher for Strickland Metals. Ostra Metal Materials up by about 15%. This is where I need Nadine. I don't know a lot of these companies. Ostrata Metals. Materials. Ostrata so metals. Yeah, yeah, just make it simple. Come on. <laughs> Maybe they're running out of, you know, company names. All right, have a quick look at the laggards as well in the small end of town. Bougainville Copper, there's a good name, down 9.3%. Lindian Resources off by about 6%. 
All right, so let's uh, look ahead then, shall we, Juliet? Yes. And yeah, of course, the big mm. uh, meeting next day. week. Yeah, Melbourne Cup Day. Take your bets now. Um, Come on, Juliet, what's your bet? So I told you this, was it last week? Yeah, last Friday. Yeah, Yeah. I think, I just, as you called me OCD, I don't like this fact that we're at 4.15%. So I just think Michelle Bullock's going to come out of the gates and just go, right, we're taking it back to uh, 4.5%. That's, you know, my view, and I am not an economist. I'm not paid to make views. I'm probably wrong, but that's what I think might happen. All right, I'm going to be a contrarian because I was saying a rate hike. I'm going to say a hold, potentially with a a rate rise in December. Maybe they hold on just a little longer to see whether the economy is turning. Yeah, potentially. I've had had Clifford Bennett in my ear. That's the problem. Uh, Ah, yeah, Where he thinks we're already in recession. What they Mm. should be doing is, in fact, cutting. Well, Capital Economics came out with a note in our inboxes about 20 minutes ago as well, saying, you know, we're in a recession too. Okay, weekly consumer confidence, weekly payroll, jobs also. That'll give us an indicator of how the economy is going. And uh, let's have a look as well in terms of what we're seeing internationally. We talked about the China PMIs coming through. Governor Powell speaking, that's always key. Consumer sentiment, consumer credit in the US and international trade. So another busy week. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, wrap it up then. A reminder that we've done pretty well today. We'll take it. Yeah, a reminder indeed. And I think as well, we have potentially a little bit of a a look ahead as well to what's happening with our next event, which is coming through. And of course, that will be our next virtual investor event. But you can find all those details at osbiz.co slash yeah, head, head to the website, it's all yeah. about Small Caps yeah. 23. Uh, so a lot of good ideas that are going to come through in that. So be sure to, uh, to sign up so you can access that. Yep. All right. Have a good weekend. Enjoy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.